ないので Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Imp and the Kiss Boys. Hello and welcome to、uh, LOP on YouTube.、Uh, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this week. As I move somebody out of the way. This week, as you can tell by the return of a certain majestic intro, it's time to talk about some New Japan pro wrestling. And to help me along, I've roped in from the Keeping It Strong Style podcast on the Social Suplex Network, Jeremy Donovan, and making his LOP radio debut, young boy Joshua Smith. Hey, what's going on, Imp? Long overdue. Long、and、overdue. I, I'm just happy I can hear everybody. <laughs> After turning you all off, <laughs> turning back on again, I was panicking. <laughs> so that's, let's just turn something else off, just make sure you don't echo. Anyway, so、uh, this week it is, we are just a few weeks away from Wrestle Kingdom 14.、Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and as I've got the Kiss Boys on, it's going to, we, we normally ramble a fair bit, so don't want to beat around the bush too much,、uh, do any interesting things. However, just to quickly、uh, chuck it out there,、uh, before we get into things, You guys had a special guest on this week, so if you want to plug, plug all of your stuff before we jump right in. Yeah, so we had a former IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion Matt Seidel, aka Evan Bourne from WWE fame, was on the show this week. We had a nice little interview with him, just kind of talking about his time in New Japan and what's on the horizon for Matt Seidel. It, it wasn't a nice little interview, it was a major, major. Big time money making interview. <laughs>、uh, listen to that on、uh, Keeping It Strong Style. We are part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. If you type that in in any of your podcast apps,、uh, you'll find us and subscribe to the network, and you'll hear、uh, Keeping It Strong Style every Tuesday. No, yeah, we're,、uh, we're extremely excited to be here. The, the reason I made that, do you remember that joke, Jeremy? So, we were at a、uh, local indie show a few years ago, and、uh, there was a local wrestler. I won't say any names, but a second generation wrestler, and his,、uh, his uncle, who's also a, a pretty big name wrestler. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, doing a,、uh, they're doing an angle with one another, and they're, they're trying to cut promos, and like, the, the kid's not very good on the mic yet. Like, it's, he's like, it's one of his first few matches, and he's like, You and I, we can have a nice little match. And he said, A nice little match. And his uncle's like, It's not going to be a nice little match. This is going to be a big money drawing match. This is major. <laughs> <laughs> so now I don't, I don't ever say anything is nice little. It's major. It's big time. <laughs> so, major Matt Seidel interview,、uh, which、yes. is coming up.、Uh, and, and of course, as it's a Keeping It Strongsdale show. There's also whacked in there with a massive Road to Wrestle Kingdom preview. Oh no, Road to Tokyo Dome shows are called. Preview with that because the other, th- other reason to have these two guys on is it's essentially the role I played on One Nation Radio last week, where I'm the one who's watched th- that stuff. <laughs> so I had to go in as the guy who'd actually been watching.、Uh, same with you two. I've not watched any of the Road 2 stuff. I think I watched one or two of the Tag League things.、Uh, I've been busy. If you read my columns, you'll see why I'm busy. I'm busy watching shit. <laughs> Which is. <laughs> <laughs> a nice way of putting it.、Um, also, me immediately getting ourselves demonetized on our first ever video where we're finally、so、monetized on YouTube. 
So thank you to everybody who's listened. Uh, you've got to hit 4,000 hours watched. So not uploaded, but watched. And uh, we had like just over, just about 1,000 hours were left when I joined just under two months ago. Uh, already done it. So that's awesome. Like, so thank nice. you, everybody who's done that. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Although I do, I do got to say, you and I got heat, brother. Ooh, explain the heat. You no, I, I can't say brother. It feels weird in an English accent. <laughs> well, I always, I always want to be like brother who either says brother or daddy. You and I got <laughs> heat. That's even weirder in my accent. <laughs> you, uh, you, you went on my friend's podcast and then stole my joke and mentioned Two Nation Radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was wondering where I got it from, and then as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, crap, yeah, that was it. <laughs> okay. That's my gimmick, pal. <laughs> gimmick infringement. Uh, no, actually, yeah. I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was really good, actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself, too. It was uh, fun being on One Nation Radio, and fun being on Keeping It Strong Style. I'll be kind. That's <laughs> I got you over here. Yeah, okay. we're eventually we're eventually just going to steal you from LLP and get you one of these uh, social suplex contracts. Yeah, we need somebody to help us monetize on uh We'll get you one of these, on uh, these five-year uh, social suplex contracts that I'm locking everybody down on. Now, we're doing the we're doing the Bret Hart 20-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to beat your L- you're going to beat your LLP radio salary imp. How do you feel about 15 cents? <gasps> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Getting real. Oh. Like yeah, New Japan, we're doing a. Whenever I have social suplex people on, it, there's like ten minute tangents <laughs> every time. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's reason I try and jump in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I fit, I fit in so well. We just float away. <laughs> we just go <laughs> randomly wherever. Um, also, uh, commiserations to Vance in the final of the Ricky and Clash final. Who uh, also this is me linking through the tournament to my own shows for next week. I've got Sir Sam on on Boxing Day. Yes, I'm being really brave. I've booked an Australian to do a show Boxing Day morning at like 9am my time. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I might, uh, might be in trouble. A day after Christmas and I'm doing a show at 9am and we essentially have the Thanksgiving dinner on Christmas Day over here. So yeah, that's going to be a brave choice by me. I'll see how I do with it. Uh, and then on January 2nd, I've got Vance on to preview finally Wrestle Kingdom right at the end. And to tease him about Naito. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> you, might wanna, you might want to tease him about that last question of the Ricky and Clive Quiz Time Invitational as well. Ooh. 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 <laughs> I don't actually. I should shut up. I don't want to get too much heat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've got uh, those three guests. But today is the first of the three Wrestle Kingdom shows. Getting all the way in there. Yeah, I've dumped wrestling in America just for these next three weeks as we jump towards the Tokyo Dome. It feels weird to say the word normally because uh, on New Japan you hear it said one way every time, like Tokyo Dome. So when yeah. I say it weirdly, it's like no, I've got to say it properly with the exact same way that they say it. Uh, but yeah, so there's two nights this year, so I've decided to do three shows building up to it. This week is more about laying the baseline with like an info dump, like a really crappy American pilot just dumping exposition on top of you endlessly. That's the end. That's the point of today's show. Make you like just to give paint the whole picture. There's quite a lot to get through, so I'm going to jump right in. I say jump right in, what, eight minutes into the show? So, good one, Im. (laughs) (laughs) So, we first got our... Actually, I was about to do the tag matches and remembered... Oh, wait, no, they're the pre-show tag matches. I think we're fine not to cover the pre-show tag matches. (laughs) Just yeah. If you want to hear about those, 
listen to Keeping It Strong Style. Where they go full detail about everything. <laughs> now we're that too. <laughs> that really meant to be the guys I can trust to watch things that I don't watch. <laughs> go into full detail. Um, so, first off is a first match with a 60 minute time limit. Uh, the first of the Jutin Thunder Liga retirement matches. We've got Tiger Mask, Great Sasuke and Tatsumi Fujinami teaming up with Liger himself. With El Samurai on the sidelines. Facing Vaisuke Takuchi, Takiwa... Why can I never say his name? I couldn't say it last time as well. Takiwa. It's the I that does me up. I want to say Takiwaiwa for some reason. There's no extra W. Utani and Naoko Sano as I choke up. And they'll be accompanied by Kobayashi. So, when I had Sir Sam on to kind of preview the kind of opening reveals of this, this card, he's somebody who's only watched for the Jay White era. And I'm not joking, his first show was Jay White's debut at Wrestle Kingdom. So, nothing from him. However, with the Kiss Boys, oh, they know what they're talking about. Especially Young Boy, who I'm assuming actually knows <laughs> <laughs> these wrestlers and actually talk about them. So if you want to, I guess, inform the audience a little bit as to who on earth these, I guess, in a way, legends are. Oh wow! Uh, legend legends dump right off the bat. <laughs> so um, so you know when we talk about aces of New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's a very specific lineage of aces throughout the company's history. It starts with Inoki, and then after Inoki's era, it goes specifically to uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, sort of like WWE, you've got your big stars who also could have fit major roles. I mean, you got Ricky Choshu, but the second generation ace truly was Fujinami. Um, and he's one of the, the biggest new Japan pro wrestling stars in history. I mean, he's a former WWF junior heavyweight champion, which was the precursor to the IWGP junior champion. He was pretty much the, the trend sent trend setter for junior style wrestling, even prior to tiger mask. And then, you know, multiple IWGP champion, G1 winner, that sort of thing. And um, I don't know specifically the extensive history between him and Liger, but I I think part of it is just that he was the top guy when Liger was coming up, and Liger always had like a uh, an admiration for him with him being like the locker room leader and being the representative of the company. I think that's kind of the significance of having Fujinami in this match. Um, Some of the other guys that are being represented – uh, like Kuniaki Kobayashi and um, El Samurai. I think those are the two guys who are in the corners, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, Kobayashi, I don't know if him and Liger had too many matches. Um, I know that he he he's one of the biggest trendsetters also of the junior uh, style division. He had a, a long-storied feud with uh, the original Tiger Mask in the early 80s, and then when he went to All Japan in the mid-80s, he had another uh, series of fantastic matches with Tiger Mask 2, who is Mitsuhara Mizawa. Um, so I think him just having like a legendary role, I'm sure that they interacted. And, and just to be clear, I don't know everything about Liger's career, but I, I do know that he has a lot of ties. Uh, Otani, El Samurai, um, who are some of the other guys that are in this? Sano. Oh, Naoki Sano. Um, who else? Gucci. Uh, who else? <laughs> great, great Sasuke. Okay, great Sasuke. And Tiger Mask. Okay, so those four guys specifically, uh, Sasuke, um, Naoki Sano, um, El Samurai, and uh, Otani, those are four of the biggest uh, rivals of uh, Liger's career. We're talking guys that he had, you know, 
best of the super juniors, top of the super juniors, J cup, uh, you know, matches against dome matches against, um, IWGB junior title matches. These are like some of his most storied rivals of his entire career and also partners at different times, especially, um, you know, the samurai feud was, was one that was like an admiration. The Otani feud was a very heated one. The, Na- the Naoki Sano feud is the feud that kind of launched his career and like brought him to the mainstream. And then, um, I'm a little surprised that Taguchi's in the match, but I, I guess it's just because, uh, Taguchi was kind of like, that junior guy in new Japan who took over post liars, you know, top of the, the division run sort of thing. And, um, I'm not sure how close they are, but I'm, I'm sure it's gotta be pretty close for him to be in this match. Well, I'm sure with the Gucci, you need at least one kind of, you know, current guy in there, somebody that can still go and kind of lead this match. I mean, obviously all these guys are very experienced, but obviously they're not what they were in their heyday. So I think a guy right. like Taguchi can take a lot of bumps and kind of, um, call a match so to speak and kind of keep things in order yeah and a lot of the guys that you are gonna see they're older very uh, some of them like fujinami especially is extremely old but that's not to say that they're not still working they're doing regular shows right for working on companies. produce shows indie shows yep yeah all over the japanese indies and they have been for years um i don't think that when you see this match you're you're looking for anything that's going to be a classic <laughs> By any means, this is a, a nostalgia match almost entirely, and it's going to be one that's there for to kind of pull on the heartstrings. And um, you know, for me, I always really liked the New Japan Rambo, seeing like the older guys come back, even though, you know if they couldn't still go. <laughs> and this is kind of that, except with more um, more heart to it. So I'm excited for this match. Yeah, it reminds me of, I guess, the older Tokyo Dome shows before it turned into Vesa Kingdom, where they would like headline with these kind of like generation matches with like the biggest stars and everything. Yeah, I guess if you go to the early Vesa Kingdom ones, it's still there a little bit, uh, where they used to rope in the other promotions, especially with the All Japan slash New Japan kind of style shows. Uh, but yeah, it's not going to be the best match you've ever seen in your life, but. If you know the wrestlers, oh, it'll be cool to see the older folk. Uh, for me, especially, it is Fujinami because, of course, he like looking back, he is such a big star that like if you're a newer fan, I'm not quite sure if you'll realise it watching this match. But no, he is actually. No, I'm assuming the crowd will at least tell you a little bit. Like he is majorly a, a mega star from back in the I guess 80s, 90s, a little bit yes. into 2000s. Um, yeah, and that. I think he's worked at the Dome and I don't even know the last worked at Dome show. It was definitely with New Japan. It's been a long time. Since the Dark Ages, I want to say. Probably. And, um, you know, the other thing with this, too, it kind of um, what I'm hoping that we might see. Do you guys remember uh, the WrestleMania? I think it was 28, 29 when Jericho wrestled yeah. the Legends. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and then we got that Ricky of the Dragon Steamboat uh, performance. You're like, this guy can still go. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping one of these guys, whether it's like Sano, well, we know Sasuke can still kind of go. Like, yeah, but he's on Liger's team. It, it, well, I'm just hoping somebody can still, like, show up and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, kinda, that's kind of what I got my eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, we oh, were able to see. We saw a great Sasuke in action, uh, Joey Janelle Spring Break, uh, WrestleMania weekend, New Orleans. Yeah. I watched that show. How do I not remember that? <laughs> it was there. Oh. It was the main, main, event. main event. It was even At the like, ma- Jesus. What was I watching? <laughs> How did I not see that? Oh. It was like a five-hour stream. Probably fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. 
That was oh, that a classic for the ages. Yeah, that, that was last. That was this past year. So it was two years ago. In New Orleans. Oh, main I'm an idiot. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Invisible Man was in the clusterfuck battle royal. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I still watch the thing. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, for me, weird for some reason, Taguchi's the one that stands out the most to me. But he was. I guess a key feature in the junior division for quite some time before his current dad status. Uh, he seemed to go to dad status pretty quickly, but he uh, he was a big name, and of course he's got his whole thing with Finn Balor as well. So he he was a light guy, <laughs> bigger than his butt <laughs> for a little while. Uh, to kind of make sense. I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised if there's been interactions between Taguchi and Liger over the past decade. I'm sure there probably has been. You know, um, obviously the popularity of New Japan exploded the last five years, but, you know, ten years ago, who knows? I mean, Taguchi was there. Liger was still, you know, an active competitor. I'm sure that there's a bond there. I just couldn't tell you historically the way I could tell you about, like, some of the 90s stuff. Hmm. But uh, that's pretty much uh, the case of this match. There is another Liger match on night two, which... um, for me, the way I'm looking at it in terms of predictions, and uh, Sir Sam, I have just remembered, I might actually open it, uh, Sir Sam has done a uh, kind of predictions thing, I, I've just remembered that he said that, hopefully neither of you two have looked at it, uh, but it's meant to be a uh, predictions thing for Wrestle Kingdom 14, that's meant to be LOP versus uh, the Keeping It Strong style, and I've just remembered that exists, <laughs> so hopefully no one else has filled it out. Um, yeah, I haven't opened it up yet. I just thought about it like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's better than me than the day you sent it me. I typed in who I thought was going to win and just left it. I was like, "Oh, that's great." Um, I don't. I don't know. If Sir Sam wants to keep competing with me after the quiz time. <laughs> he seems up for it. <laughs> just, <laughs> he keeps starting competition. Uh, but with um, oh, also, if I'm right, next week's is no. That's an idiot. Doesn't matter. He, he told me something and I've completely forgotten. It's not this month, so I've wasted live airtime. Well, well done me. The next match, I'll just move on like nothing happened. Uh, LIJ <laughs> Los Ingobernables de Japón of Bushi, Shingo Takagi, Sanada, and Io Shirai's boyfriend versus Suzuki Gun, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and El Desperado. Uh, another match that gets everybody onto the cards. Don't really. Know. Uh, this might be used as cement, LIJ, and but whenever I say that, Suzuki Gun pull out a cheeky one. Well, so, well the. The key here is they're kind of doing a preview match for the big uh, Rev Pro title match the next night, which is going to be Sonata challenging Zack Sabre Jr. That's going to be a pretty big match for Sonata, having a singles match in the Dome uh, for that title. And then also it's kind of a preview match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Gauntlet, which will be happening in the dark match on night two, where you're going to have Bushi, Chingo and Evil teaming up, and then Desperado, Taichi, and Kanomaru oh, teaming up. Wasn't that my prediction two weeks ago that some of these people that were in the eight man would end up in a gauntlet? The next yeah. Time? Oh man, I, I didn't realize that I predicted that accurately. <laughs> Congratulations to me. <laughs> so, yeah, so we kind of got a, a blend of two previews, ma- two preview matches there, but I'm sure the the main focus is going to be on Sonata and Saber. I the one thing I have to say about this, I am not in favor of this whatsoever especially considering the fact that you're going to get all these exact same guys in significant matches, quote-unquote, the next night. You know, so, like, originally when this card was announced and they did an eight-man tag and we thought it was just a preview, it was like, oh, shit, we're getting... Um, or Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? 
Uh, we've already yep. done it. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting a preview show or a preview match, which is something we're used to getting on Road 2 shows or, you know, New Beginning in Beppu, something like that. Not like a, a Wrestle Kingdom. And then to turn around and actually pay it off with big matches the next night seems like they're wasting an opportunity when if you're giving these guys two paydays, why not just take this slot and give it to a more deserving singles or tag feud as opposed to giving a, us these same competitors two nights in a row. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree as well because there's quite a few of them on this card as well. There's, I think there's two more after this. So they're going full into it as well. And especially where so many of them are previewing what we're going to see on the very next night. I'm not a massive fan, but uh, I guess they've got to fill the card out with something. It feels a little bit odd. It feels like they should have enough. And obviously, Rich will cry. Give Ishii a singles match. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys in this match that could have gotten single spots. I mean, you look at uh, Shingo Takagi, who's had an incredible year. Uh, Taichi, who they spent a lot of time elevating this year, having the feud with Naito. Um, he was former Never Champion last year. I mean, you have Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I mean, Sabre has a, a singles match in, in, on night two and so does Sonata, but... And in Evil is another guy that they've been kind of pushing. So there's several guys in this match who could have benefited uh, from a, a singles match. You could have done Suzuki, uh, Suzuki versus Shingo here, or Tai Chi versus Evil, or Tai Chi versus Ishii. Like there's several guys. Like they have a ton of guys on their roster that they could have done something here besides doing an eight man tag, which it, which should have been done for you know the Road to Tokyo Dome shows. Yeah, and and my feelings with that too was originally I was like, well, if they're going to do these preview matches on night one then my guess is that there could hypothetically be some sort of angle that leads to something big for some of the more popular guys like Suzuki or Taichi or Shingo or Ishii. But instead, it's literally just a preview match for the, for the gauntlet and the singles matches that are accompanying it, which means we're probably not getting a big angle out of it. So it literally just is a preview match and – on a on a Tokyo Dome show, that seems kind of out of left field. So I'm I'm a little disappointed and kind of surprised by that. Yeah, t- totally agree. It feels like the rest, it, like the shows throughout the rest of the year where they can't do that, but they've not really done it on these recent Wrestle Kingdom ones. Maybe they have one or two. It's not really the modern Wrestle Kingdom kind of thing to do it like this. But uh, I guess uh, well, whenever I say I guess, I always think of it. No, you could have done that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just not really for it. Not really. Uh, and of course it makes it a little bit difficult to predict because there's not really any stakes which again is a bit odd for Wrestle Kingdom I'm just used to there being stakes for for, for all I know it's setting up the challenges because that's maybe what I would do but I'm not Gado I can't say his name now <laughs> I'm not Gado he, he knows what he's doing and Gado we trust and keep him <laughs> yeah. not getting a Rambo could have easily gotten a oh, Rambo yes. getting one that's my favorite. My favorite when I woke up at like six a.m. to watch this show, and then there'd be the rumble to wake up with. As I still can't really see because my eyes are blurry, but <laughs> put the rumble on, <laughs> and it's lovely because I don't know who's who, <laughs> and then they bring out a legend that I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, but he's good. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. Or they bring out an Australian or New Zealand talent out of nowhere. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Or they bring out big uh, Scott Norton. <laughs> Oh, he got a major pop. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other bit I loved of the Rumbles was to bring out somebody like him and the crowd would go crazy. And my favorite, <laughs> so, they brought out the great Kabuki. Kabuki! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
with uh, just moving on to the next tag team match uh, for chaos of Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Toro Yano, and Yoshihashi facing a Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Farley, Chase Owens, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Are is this just the never title match and two more teams in the six man never title match? Exactly. So exactly. Like, yeah, another preview. It's pretty much the same formula. You have Goto and Kenta who are uh, facing off on night two for the never title. Then you have uh, Yana, who's one-third of the six-man champs, who will be defending that in the gauntlet. Uh, Yoshihashi and Ishii will be teaming with Robbie Eagles. And then Chase, Yujiro, and Fale will be representing Bull Club in that gauntlet. So obviously, um, Taguchi is in the tribute match with uh, with Liger. So who who is who's left out of this match? Who's the odd man out? based on this match because obviously we've already got champions from from the Seki Gun team. You mean who's Ishii and Yoshiyashi teaming up with? Okay. Oh, I've got it I've got it mixed up, huh? So everybody in this match is on in the gauntlet or on the never title match. Gotcha. Okay. So Yoshiyashi and Ishii are teaming with Robbie Eagles. Okay. Yeah. I don't have the card in front of me, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't really think there's much more to say on that one. It's just another yeah. preview match and I yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about Goto and and Kenta when we get there, I suppose. Yeah, uh, oh, and I am planning to dive into the stories a bit more with Sir Sam. He likes stories. <laughs> That'll be fine. <laughs> All right, uh, next up, we're finally getting into the juice of this uh, card here. Appreciate the pun, everybody. Into the juice. I see what you, see what you did there. <laughs> I got, got the joke. <laughs> uh there's no one realer than Tangelo and Tamatonga. I thought I'd British up their name. Versus Finjuice, Juice Robinson and David Finley, the winners of the World Tag League, which I am so happy about. They gave it to somebody new, so we don't get to see the same match again. Uh, yes, uh, for the t- IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, Josh, I guess I guess the, a little bit of into, I guess, Finjuice and their relationship a little bit, just to explain it, because I'm assuming a load of listeners will know G.O.D., but not really Finjuice who don't really watch New Japan. Sure. So, um, you know, when... Who was Juice Robinson before? He was C.J. Parker. Right. When oh, yeah. when he was he was C.J. Parker in the NXT system, um, he asked for his release, and it was granted. He came to Japan, and he already had been in through developmental. He'd already been on independence. You know, this is a guy who could have come in and automatically been promoted to the main roster. And he said, Nope, I want to come in the Japanese style way. I want to come in through the, uh, dojo system. He came in through the dojo system as a young lion around the same time as Dave Finley did. And for those of you that don't know, Dave Finley is the son of fit Finley. Um, you know, so second generation or actually he's third generation, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think he is too. Uh, anyway, so these two guys kind of came up through the same class as like uh, Show and Yo and Jay White, that sort of thing. And um, they have had a bond with one another all the way through their Young Lion days and then up into their uh, you know ascension to the main roster. Both members of Taguchi Japan and Sekigun and um, you know – for a long time, they were like meandering at the bottom of the the card, and as time has gone on, they both elevated. Juice is definitely over the past few years elevated more, where he's had his own um, kind of storylines, where he's had to kind of like rise up through the ranks and face different challenges. While at the same time, 
Dave Finley has kind of like languished in the lower end of the card and continued to lose throughout the time. He had a, a long-standing feud with uh, Jay White. When Jay White first returned, he, he continued to lose to Jay White just like he did th- all throughout their young, young Lion days. Um, these guys have teamed together for a long time, but with very little success. It's only until last year's World Tag League that they even started having any modicum of success. But um, now, this past year, it seemed like they were poised for a, a big push and run. But then um, around... On a rising, which is like what March, April, yeah. Um, Dave Finley, February or February. Dave Finley suffered a shoulder injury that kind of got uh, halted, and then once Dave Finley kind of came back, he came back in better shape, new attitude, new ring gear. Everything was kind of fresh. He did lose his shot at the U.S. title, which Finn, uh, which uh, Juice Robinson held previously, but then come a uh, time for the World Tag League, they were fantastic in the World Tag League. They made it to the finals. They defeated uh, LIJ, you know, Sonata and Evil, which are the standard bearers. And now, and and that's one of the biggest wins of uh, Dave Finley's career, and it's kind of reinvigorated Juice. So these guys are, you know, poised to really be main event uh, players when it comes to the tag team division this coming 2020. How good are the Kiss Boys? I, I can just sit here drinking tea and pretend I'm doing a show. Yeah, this kind of feels like a kind of oh, kind of like a like a coming of age birth for Finn Juice. I was trying to think of a nice way of putting it. It still feels a bit weird. Uh, but where where they finally kind of like come into their own and win big on the big stage because they've gone in as champ. Like Juice went in as US champion, if I'm right, against Cody. No, that's not right. It was just a match against Cody. Um, but he's not it, 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 it was for the US title last year oh, okay. in the dome Cody was the champion he had he'd taken the title from him in um, at one of the earlier California shows that was it yeah wait did Juice beat him I'm being stupid yes Juice he beat did. Cody yeah. it wasn't yeah. a very good match it was a lackluster match because Cody was just coming back from the knee injury and he really wanted to have that match and so and he hurt himself even further at final battle against uh, Jay Lethal Lethal, so he didn't have a very good showing in the dome that was a smoke and mirrors match alright yeah well this time he finally gets time to shine against G.O.D. who have had nothing but glowing reviews this year right Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it uh, right now, God, they've held the belts, you know, almost 300 plus days. Um, you know, multi-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Um, if you look at the kayfabe wise, I mean, they had a great year. They've been the champions pretty much all year. They've, um, you know, had a blood feud with the Briscoes. Um, they had a big match at Madison Square Garden. Had that that awesome ladder war at the ROH uh, Summer Supercard against the Briscoes. They've been kind of all over the place. Tamatonga has done some stuff in uh, Defy Wrestling in the uh, Seattle area. So they've kind of been all over the place and having. I think they've had some pretty good matches throughout the year. I mean, in the World Tag League, they kind of came back and kind of was kind of back to the normal kind of God mold, is kind of having you know average matches, but. I think overall, if you look at all of 2019, I think they have um, kind of raised their profile and ha- had better matches overall. And they look they're, – they're pretty dominant holding the belts this long. The other thing with, with G.O.D. is like to say that they are the tag team of the year in New Japan this year is probably a true statement. But then you look at the state of tag team wrestling in New Japan and it's such a stagnant uh, you know, state of that sort of – 
type of wrestling that it's not that there's not that high of a level that they have to achieve to even be there. Um, they have they're a lot better this year than people give them credit for. I, I hear a lot of different podcasts and reviewers talk shit about them and they're better than people give them credit for. But then they're the same kind of guys that will give them praise on our show and then they'll turn around and put in a really crappy performance the next week and then we look stupid for praising them. Um, I think this match is a really good opportunity for uh, Finjuice, like I said, to kind of take their place in the tag division and kind of uh, add new life, new blood, whether they win or lose. Hope, I'm just hoping that the match is good, but I'm hoping that they win, honestly, to, to break the, up the monotony of G.O.D. because they've held that title all year, I'm guessing. Yeah. Did they win it last 300 year? 300-plus days. They won it in February at, during the Honor Rising Tour. That's right. Okay. They defeated Evil and Sonata, and so they've held the belts ever since then. They won the uh, the double title match at Madison Square Garden, and then uh, feuded with the Briscoes over the over the summer. Jody four belts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, did they hold? They did they hold the titles before Evil and Sonata as well? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Evil and Sonata I think, beat them at Wrestle Kingdom, right? To get the belts, and that was a triple no, threat. The, the champions were, yeah, they were the. Yeah, because they beat the Young Bucks for the titles in San Francisco last right. year. Yeah, so it was it was G.O.D., Bucks, Evil, and Sonata. G.O.D. were champs, and then Evil and Sonata won the belts there. Yeah. And then the G.O.D. Back won. to G.O.D. <laughs> so yeah. no wonder it started to feel like we just want to break the flow a little bit with Finn Juice. Just, yeah, um, I'm totally the same as you two, where I kind of would like it to feel a bit more refreshed in the tag division. Just something new would be nice. Um, and this match, the way they've pushed Finn Juice in the World Tag League, from what I've seen as well, Feels like this could be the moment, like the time they do it, like a feel good return for the team as well. Like, there's, why there, not? There, there's one monkey wrench though in this yep. situation. Yep. And it's um Juice Robinson on night two will be facing the winner of the next match, Lance mm-hmm. Archer and John Moxley. So is... either you have Juice win here and loses night two, or he wins night two and he's two champs, or he loses here and he wins the U.S. title. So there's a lot of different scenarios right there that he can go through. Well, here's my thinking on it. If you have Juice lose here, then not A, there's the fact that he's probably not really actually even deserving of the title match on the next night, given the fact that A, he lost his title fair and square to Mox, and then B, when given a chance to regain the title, he lost to Archer. So it's kind of bullcrap that like he doesn't even have to win a title eliminator for the next night. He automatically gets a title shot against two guys that are going to literally have a death match. <laughs> uh, it's kind of bullcrap. So in my book, if he loses here, it it even strength like it makes it even stronger that he is undeserving. So I really can't see a scenario where they don't win. I think that'd be terrible booking. That they didn't win. He needs to get, to get the win, hold the title, and then be a credible challenger the next night. I know a lot of people don't see it that way because they think like, oh, that's too strong of a push. But like, keep in mind, this is a guy who for two years, at almost every opportunity that was given to him, he failed. So I'm thinking now's the time. And he's also put over like outsiders, bigger stars than him. Now's the time to like do what they tried to do last year with the Cody match. Put him over big. Plus, Dave Finley's deserving of it. Plus, we as fans are deserving of of a change in the tag division. Put the titles on them. It doesn't really matter that much anyways because the tag division. And then he'll be good going into the second night because he's got the big win. 
Yeah, like even if they become champions, it's like champions of what division? <laughs> There's like two teams, if that. <laughs> and we're desperate for one of them to stop being a team and pr- properly propel up the card in Evil and Sonata. Like, right. Not, aside from GAD, like, really, who is there? There isn't really that many. It's it's more kind of stable mates thrown together. <laughs> we said they're Senkozy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I looked up the uh, Tag Team Champions kind of run, and I'm pretty certain the last time they won it... Oh, I'm not confident about that. They definitely did win it in the start of this decade, so they can end it, start the next decade by winning it again as well. It just brings their dominance. For the last time they were 2017? Champs, yeah, March 6, 2017. Oh man, I'm not even looking at anything, and I knew that. <laughs> well, I'm not a real New Japan fan if I don't know when T- Tenkozi last won the championships. <laughs> you should know everything about Kojima. I think they only held it for like a month or two. Yeah, they oh. lost it next month to to uh, <laughs> War Machine. Oh, so a Nakanishi, thank you, Rain. <laughs> Nothing, not a proper dominance Rain like it was in 2011. Uh, yeah, well, we kind of we did move on to the US Championship match, so I guess. Why not just talk about it now anyway? Uh, Lance Archer defending against John Moxley in a Texas death match. Yes, I said and before Texas, but just pretend I didn't. For the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship, and as we've already said, night two, Juice Robinson will be challenging the winner, which is very interesting given that this match is a death match and Juice has lost to both of these people already on this road. Uh, Story-wise... It screams John Moxley to me for Juice to get his, I guess, not revenge, but that match where John Moxley couldn't make it to the country uh, because of the tsunami. Well, it, it was a tsunami, yeah. Right. Because of because of that heat. No, Typhoon, that was it. Because he couldn't make it to Japan, the match got, uh, he got stripped of the championship. I can't speak. He got stripped of the championship and the match never happened. For me, this sets up that match finally taking place and I can't really see any other way of doing it just because in Gado I trust and I've noticed a story <laughs> and I feel like no he'll do the story uh, the, other, the other factor is John Moxley and AEW if he becomes champion and he stays champion when will we next see the US heavyweight championship might it be like Chris Jericho we don't see him all the way till Dominion uh, he's shown up more but of course he's, he didn't have the AEW commitments back then now he does after Wrestle Kingdom can he even be champion really but because I see Juice Marks happening so strongly, for me, he has to win this one. But in what state is he in <laughs> when he goes into Wrestle Kingdom? And how strong will Juice actually look if he defeats a guy who was half-bloody the night before? Yeah. Well, there's a couple things here that I'd like to touch on. I think you bring up some really great points there, Imp. Um, oh, the, first thing is, <laughs> the first thing is, um, and I hate to, I hate to play spoiler, but I've got to play spoiler for you guys. This is exactly how it's going down. And there's very few things on this card that I feel as strongly about. But this is exactly how it's happening. Um, Juice is for sure getting a tile shot the next night. Mox is for sure beating Archer. And then Mox is for sure losing the title back to Juice the next night. Uh, The main reasons for this is like I know there's a lot of people out there that are predicting an Archer win. And um, I don't know if you heard about this, but – Recently, Moxley said that he he his uh, contract allows him to continue to work New Japan dates over in the East, and he you know plans to do that indefinitely. He has no plans of stopping. So even with the, his AW obligations, he's going to keep coming back. So I think a lot of people are taking that to mean like, oh well, if he's going to keep coming back, Archer's done so well, why not give him the win? 
but they don't seem to understand that the deck the Texas death match against Moxley is them congratulating him for doing <laughs> such a good job giving him a shot at at juice and they're not going to have him beat juice the next night like he's going to wrestle Mox Mox is going to beat him and then that's it <laughs> that's what's happening the only way I see it being different and this is the one catch Mox is not going to Japan to not work both dome shows the only way the only way I could see this ch- being different to where Archer might win is if the fact that he was at the uh, what was a World Tag League Finals mm-hmm. when he attacked both Archer and Suzuki, if hypothetically Suzuki got involved and cost him the match and set up some sort of sing- impromptu singles match for the next night, then that's the only way I see this being different. But that's really not New Japan style booking. So I'm like 99% sure that that Mox is beating Archer. And everybody thinks that this Texas Deathmatch uh, situation is something to protect Mox from having to take a pinfall. Never mind that he's taken pinf- – like he's already lost a bunch of matches since he's been back on the indies. Um, really what this is is to keep Archer strong. They, they're doing this stipulation to reward him, give him a big big feel moment – but he's going to lose. He's not going to take a pinfall in at the same time. And, and then Mox's going to go on. And something else to think about too, uh, you know, we have the new beginning tour that's going to be happening in the U S coming up right after, you know, the fantastic mania tour. And I think it's very important to have a U.S. champion that could actually work on U.S. shows. So we know with the AEW deal, John Moxley is not going to be allowed to work um, New Japan of America shows. So you want a champion there that can come on these U.S. shows, defend the belts, and make the town. So having it on a guy like Juice Robinson, somebody who they've been elevating and has been one of the top guys in talent the last couple of years, it makes a lot of sense to give him two wins, get him hot, and have him be one of the featured guys that's going to be on these New Japan of America tours. Yeah, and Archer has done such a good job elevating his profile this year that if he loses to a big star like Mox now, it's not going to take much for them to heat him up. And everyone's like, well, he's going to be around and Mox isn't. Exactly. He'll be around. Juice will be the champion. Juice didn't beat him for the championship. You've got a built-in feud for later on when Mox is in America. I think it's like pretty open and shut. Right. They, that, they could main event one of those new beginning shows with Archer and Juice. Yeah. Or, the, or you mean in the USA? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that will draw and people will care more about Archer because he wrestled Mox in a death match and that match will probably be pretty awesome. So, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I did want to say this one thing. Um, there's controversy about this match and the rule set because we just got the announcement of what the Texas death match actually is. And they, they're there. It's not uh, any of the other past traditional death match rules for Texas death match. In this case, it is um, basically less last man standing rules hmm. with, with submissions as well. Um, which is funny because at wrestle kingdom eight, they had this exact same uh, match stipulation between for the first time ever in New Japan between Fale and uh oh god what's Tenzan? It? No, not Tenzan. Um Makabe. Makabe and Fale and it was called the King of Destroyer match. So I don't know why they're not calling it King of Destroyer match because that's the New Japan branded uh you know designation for what this type of match is. I think they should call it the King of Destroyer match. Well, I think they figured well Archer's from Texas, 
We want to give him something and make it seem like it's his match. Let's call it a Texas Death Match. Do you guys have any opinions on on the fact that they're with the new what like that new rule set that was just announced? Um, yeah, I was totally with you, kind of, because uh, I know they have done those kind of style matches before, uh, which is a bit odd. I don't know if it brings memories of Stan Hansen and his rope. <laughs> I really put simple down Stan Hansen, <laughs> but he he brought that kind of Texas deathmatchy feeling about him. Uh, he was Texas, like you look at him, that man's Texas. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, like uh, yeah, I feel like the Texas. It feels like it had to be a deathmatch because of Moxley, and you associate that word with Moxley uh, and Archer. Obviously, the Texas bit. <laughs> so, like, for me, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, you got the Texas guy, and you got the deathmatch guy. Why not do a Texan deathmatch?" <laughs> like for me, that made sense to me. Yeah, honestly, I I prefer. I would have just wished they would have just done a, a straight up last man standing match. I thought that would probably make things um, a little bit more, I guess, maybe clearer. Uh, I mean, I don't really. I mean, I don't really mind. I think it's still going to be a great match, but the submissions might convolute it a little bit, might make it a little bit clunky. Um, and I think. If they're just going to do this, it should have probably just been last man standing, or they should have actually done one of the more traditional Texas death match rules where you do the pinfall and submission, which then leads to the 10 count. I would have been fine with that. I also would have been fine with them not being able to answer the bell or the doctor stoppage or whatever. Um, my one concern with this rule set, because it's not just 10 count only, it's also quote unquote submission, that makes me worried about one thing. The claw. The claw. Oh. <laughs> because we don't really, like, he's using the claw to pin people, and it's like, okay, is he going to use the claw to pass him out, or is he going to use the claw to try to submit him? Is he going to be able to hold him down while they count? Like, I don't understand, and that's the one thing I'm like, that could actually cause the match to suck a little bit. <laughs> that's, like, that's the one thing I'm a little worried about with this weird rule set. And you know he's going to do it during the match, because that's his thing. He's going to get his shit in. Right. Unless Moxley holds up a barbed wire bat and he claws the bat. <laughs> some, some horrible <laughs> spot like that. I'm wondering how hardcore they can even get, being the fact that it's a Tokyo Dome. Like, I mean... When the past you know. they have, but... Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, yeah they've done the exploding stuff, but it was like twice. Yeah, they did exploding well, I mean, they stuff. They've done, um, uh, they've done violent matches, but not for quite a long time. I can't remember the last one. Well, and the the Jericho Omega match that was no disqualifications, right? Yeah, and they had they had chairs, and tables, and crazy spots yeah. like that. Yeah, but you know how Mox likes to get down. <laughs> <laughs> Mouse <laughs> traps, barbed wire, glass. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, um, well, obviously, like the I guess, I guess blood level that I've seen at Tokyo Dome would be uh, Yuji Nagata versus oh, Power Warrior. Why am I forgetting his name? Kenzuki. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that match, match is amazing. Such a good match. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good match. Like, it's from 2004, if I might. Like, incredible match. But they are essentially blood water fountains. <laughs> it was blood. It's so bloody. It's really bloody. <laughs> but it's... So for me, that's like the... When I hear, oh, what about blood at Tokyo Dome? I'm like, well, they've kind of done it a little bit. <laughs> they just put on that match. It's not the blood I'm concerned about. It's more just like, you know, the gratuitous violence. Oh, yes. That's all. You know, the like, visual stuff. Like we saw at, um, I'm forgetting names now, um, Full Gear between Moxley yeah. and uh, Omega. Like that kind of stuff where it's, the, the thing that makes you wince in anticipation, then you see it do, them do it and it's like, 
<laughs> compared to all this blood now kind of reactions he gets sometimes. Yeah. The one last thing I want to touch on before we move on is, again, the problem here with the fact that Juice is getting a title shot the next night um, almost seems like, for a lot of people, they're looking at and they're like, well, what about all those other guys? Suzuki, you know, Ishii and Shingo and big stars like that who are getting put in these multi-man matches, whereas we're getting two Juice matches back-to-back. And from a kayfabe perspective, he doesn't even deserve the rematch. So it seems almost like a wasted space on a two-night card when you could have been elevating or highlighting other major stars. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah totally agree on pretty much on everything. Um, yeah, so I'm realizing we've got about 30 minutes of airtime left, not even finish the first night. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think... I reckon we could finish this first card. <laughs> I reckon we can yeah. do it. <laughs> so... Let's uh, do it. Right, so I might switch it up so we I do the second night with Sir Sam uh, next week on Boxing Day. Yeah, um, the mental booking where I wasn't thinking, obviously. How long, how long are we going, uh, Imp? Uh, we'll go to about half past, uh, well, half past midnight, my, my time, whatever it is, half past seven. Gotcha, so 7.30, okay. Yeah, like not too long kind of thing. YouTube likes the shorter videos. I found 40 minutes is grand, but you know... Not for a New Japan show. <laughs> you can't fit that into 40 minutes. Uh, so we've got the three matches left, and they will take us a little bit of a while to get through, so we're probably going to fill the time really easily. Lightly even go over it. So, first off, the big return, or what Hiromu thought was going to be his return, so then he had to turn up to the Road 2 show wearing jeans. <laughs> they didn't have any gear made. So uh, look forward to that on the, uh, on the actual show itself. You finally get to see his gear. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi returning to face champion Will Ospreay. Since Takahashi's been gone, Will Ospreay has elevated to such an incredible level that to a point where the junior, they were generally, um, Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi Takagi were talking about possibly main eventing one of these dome shows as a a little tease to see what people thought. That obviously didn't happen, but they got to that level. They were so white hot, especially after the Best of Super Juniors tournament, which which is amazing. Uh, Will Ospreay getting a highlight at last year's Wrestle Kingdom, uh, facing Kota Ibushi in a never-openweight championship match. So Will Ospreay feels like a massive deal. Hiromu was one of the most beloved juniors when he got injured. Now he comes back to this elevated junior division where it feels like such a big deal with so many big stars. Hiromu feels like a massive deal. My only worry is, what is he going to do? (laughs) Because Hiromu, he's not sane. He's not... He's not really careful, <laughs> let's put it like that. Um, and what he would do in the now elevated junior division has part got me worried, part got me really excited. I don't know which one to be more. Either <laughs> way, I can't see this match... Uh, well, if they give it enough time, this match would could easily make it to the kind of Dave Meltzer six stars type of thing. But I know New Japan, they put on amazing matches, but they are aware when there's other matches to follow it. Let's not get crazy here. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but still, this is... Quite possibly the match I'm the most looking forward to. Even though the other ones are like massive stakes and they're going to be amazing matches. I've always been a massive fan of Hiromu and uh, the junior style with Will Ospreay on such a hot streak. Like This is really one to keep... If you don't know much about New Japan, this is a match to really keep an eye on that isn't a main event match. Yeah, and the thing here too is... Um... You know, Hiromu, when he first returned a couple years ago, he took the title from Kushida. He went on a monster run for about six months. And then from that point, after he dropped the title, he was kind of meandering through through the division for a while, 
trying to regain the title. Um, and in that time, um, was around the same time that Will Ospreay was like rising through the ranks, vanquishing his like career foes, finally beat Marty Skrull. That takes us to last year when they finally faced off in a singles match for the first time, and it was blow away match. Um, and you know, Will Ospreay ended up winning, holding on to that belt all through the best of super juniors. But right before the injury happened, they were getting ready to push Hiromu to have a long storied career run with that IWGP junior title. And he had one of the best super juniors of all time in, in uh, last year's tournament. He ended up having like just an incredible match against Will Ospreay at Dominion last year to win the belt finally. And then it was a month later when he had that uh, tragic injury in, in San Francisco. So there's the built in career rivalry between these two guys and every match they've ever had has been, nothing short of a classic and on this big stage you've got obviously will who's ascended to higher heights done everything he can do in this division and all all the while harem has been from the sidelines watching and trying to get back to even being able to wrestle um so there's there's an incredible story here even though it's kind of understated and all at the same time i saw a little clip of what they were doing i don't want to spoil too much but in their first tag match earlier this morning and i mean Nothing about what Hiromu was doing looked like he had lost a step. I was like, oh, my God, Hiromu's back. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know how much time they're going to have, but whether it's 10 minutes or 25 minutes, these are two guys who have something to prove. You've got Will, who's probably going to the heavyweight division. He's got a chip on his shoulder about his placement on the card and how he's carried this division. It's probably a swan song. And then Hiromu's big return. So, I mean, this has match of the year written all over it. And uh, just two things I want to see real quick. So, like Josh mentioned, Hiromu had his first match on today's Road 2 show. I haven't seen it yet. That's on my agenda after we get done with this recording. But I've seen a lot of people whose opinion, whose opinion I respect saying that uh, Hiromu looked great. And then the second thing, Will Ospreay is not scheduled for night two of the Dome. So you know that Will Ospreay, with only this match to focus on, is going to go balls to the wall yeah. and it's going to make sure that this match steals the show. So I have, you know, no doubt that these guys are going to go out here and absolutely tear the house down and kill it and have an awesome match. Yes, one hundred, especially as the Liger's second match. For me, it's Liger teaming up with the current junior champion. It's like, yeah, a fantastic match to end on. Will Ospreay's not in that match. So, uh, for me, that kind of maybe answers who's going to win this match. Will Ospreay's going to go mental, but then Hiromu wins and gets to team with Liger in Liger's final match. I like that. I like the kind of story that says, that tells. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of it. Uh, And uh, Hiromu's actually teaming against Liger. So it's going to be Hiromu and uh, Ryu Lee. Well, well done. Yeah. against Liger and Thano. <laughs> I heard an interesting uh, opinion from somebody that said, what if, hypothetically, Naoki Sano had to, quote-unquote, bow out at the last minute, and we oh. end up with with Will Ospreay teaming with Liger against those two? Oh, dude, that would be insane. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, everything we've said where this is going to be balls to the walls. Just yeah, keep it. This is the point of the show where things really start. 
Obviously, the last match of weight probably ticked up, but here, his weight really ticks up. <laughs> I say that about every year about Wrestle Kingdom shows. It's like, yeah, they're pretty good through, uh, for the most part, but then this match is when it kicks up. Uh, but then this one's when it really kicks up. Oh, but after that, oh, then you're into the five-star classic. Oh, but after that. <laughs> oh, I love Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, now we've got two main events, the semi-finals in the title tournament. I don't know what its official name is. Double main event. Oh, yeah. Double main event or doggy or doma. The double gold dash. Double gold dash, that's its name. Uh, I, prefer, I prefer our kind of over-the-top names <laughs> for it. Uh, Jay White. So the first match is for the Inter, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. The second match for the Heavyweight Championship. And on night two, the winners of those matches will main event each other. And winner gets all of the gold. Goes away with the two belts. And if it's Naito, you can say goodbye to that IC Championship. Maybe Okada as well. He's hinted at it. But as we all know, with this first match of the champion, Intercontinental Champion, Jay White, facing Tetsuya Naito. As we all know... 2020 is Naito's year, right? <laughs> this is Naito's year. And Gator, we, we, we trust he's had a plan for the Ingunrad Bro 1 since day one. <laughs> we'll just have to wait a bit. He's never wavered from it. This is Naito's year. We're all going to stay confident that it's definitely Naito's year. Here's what we all know. Right. <laughs> I, I really hope so. New Japan Pro Wrestling be stealing from WrestleMania. I think we all remember last year when a certain somebody ended the show with two belts, and so I feel like New Japan's just stealing from WWE here. <laughs> oh, they're TNAing it with Eric Young winning after Daniel Bryan became a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no, um, I'm I'm extremely excited for this. Uh, you know, essentially playoff match between these four guys. Um, and given the history between all of them, the matches that we've seen from the G1, essentially this is the A block final and the B block final from this past year repeating itself, but with even maybe even possibly bigger stakes and a bigger stage with the world watching. I mean, this is extremely exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to these matches, you know, uh, and if you're joking about, you know, Naito, hopefully this is going to be his year. And I, I really think so. I mean, they've. Uh, protected the Naito and Okada match for quite some time now. They've been holding off on the big Naito win in the Dome. I think it really makes you know the most sense to go ahead and pull the trigger and do the Naito and Okada match on night two and uh, you know complete the story and finally have Naito um, beat Okada in the Dome and become the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, and this feels like the start of the story for Abushi and Jay White in their own respective stories. Like, this is Abushi finally in the main event of a Tokyo Dome, Tokyo Dome show on January 4th. Like, this is his first... He's finally there. He's he's double main evented before, but he's not main evented, main evented. And there's only one actual main event. Shut it, WWE. There's only one actual main event. And he's not done that before. He finally right. breaks that mould. And for me, it makes all the sense in the world for Okada to just win. Mostly because it's the Naito arc. And I don't really want another Ibushi Naito. Like, whenever I was trying to predict this, I was just thinking, but there is always that chance that they have Okada shock lose and then you have Naito Ibushi in their biggest match yet. But because we've seen it so many times, they've kind of accidentally WWE'd this. Where Naito versus Ibushi, for me, I've just seen it way too often. And I don't feel like I'd be anywhere near as excited as I would be for the match they've seemingly purposefully not done since they last faced each other in Wrestle Kingdom two, three years ago. So, yeah, it screams out that that's going to happen. 
But as we all oh, know, yes. Naito is, uh, what was it, uh, Tenzan Must Lose. Was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Naito's been struck with that for a little while. Uh, but maybe this is the year to break it. Well, there's one thing to uh, take into consideration. I know it's not for a little ways off, but it's something to think about. There was a recent announcement that during the 2020 Olympic Games, one of the torch carriers is going to be Kazushika Okada. Could that hypothetically play a role into the booking of the IWGP Championship this year or even on this card? That's something that does give me a little bit of pause because, I mean, Okada's the ace. He's going to be carrying the torch Sure, there's plenty of time between now and then to put the title back on him, and I, I think we all know eventually they're going to do that. But mm, I mean, yeah, it's the, the big year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first Vessel Kingdom of the Reiwa era. So, do you want to establish Okada as your biggest star? Also, somebody made a joke on Twitter. I was like, "Oh, Okada's the perfect person to run the Olympic for Flame because he's never passing that torch." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. That, that is something to kind of keep our keep in the back of our head. But honestly, I think, um, you know, the long term booking is more important than the Olympics. And obviously, that's a big spot for Okada and a big kind of a mainstream thing. But I mean, there's still plenty of time for them to get the belt back on him if they want him to be the champion going into that. But Okada is a big enough star on his own to where I think he doesn't need to be the champion kind of going into doing the Olympics. And um and then back with the whole like Abushi Naito thing, you know, we did have a listener ask us this week, you know, if what are the chances that they do do that um Abushi Naito match and they can kind of close that story there. But I think it's more important to close the Naito and Okada story. I think that's the bigger story. I think that's the most important story to Naito's um to his um character arc than the, the Abushi story. They can always go back to Abushi down the line. And then with this Naito and Jay White match, I think this, there's some more implications to this that um, it's going to come down the line. I, I mentioned this on Keeping a Strong Style this week. I think that we're going to see Naito versus Jay White um, in Osaka Joe Hall in a new beginning for the title. I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I didn't get to be on the show the other night when you got to go through the questions, but I listened earlier today to the show, and you did a great job on that, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, typically during Wrestle Kingdom, you usually have some sort of unofficial f- number one contender sort of singles match that will highlight who's going to get a title shot in the future. And if, if you notice, there is no spot for that on either of these nights. So you have to imagine that whoever loses or whoever wins the, the runner-up match, and I've seen a lot of people lamenting the idea of a third-place winner and being like, why are they doing that? That seems so stupid. Well, it's like, well, duh, they're obviously setting up a challenger for the champion down the line because we've got February coming up and New Beginning or, you know, Osaka Joe Hall. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Right, and Osaka Joe Hall running that is a big deal because they they normally only do that for Dominion. So running it twice in one year, especially for New Beginning, they want to fill that house out, and so – Doing, you know, the the runner up of the double gold dash against the new double champion, I think is a, a big money main event to do. Here, my general thoughts on this double dash. What's the beautiful thing about it is that everyone has their own opinion. Obviously, Naito winning over Okada is the general most popular opinion. However, given the history between these four guys, and given the level of talent that we have in front of us, they really actually can't go wrong no matter which way they go. You've got built-in feuds for Okada, 
with all three of these these guys, same with Naito, same with Ibushi, same with Jay White, it shows the strength of the long-term booking of this company. Now, I'm sure people, no matter which way they go, people are going to complain. So you can't make everybody happy. That's for sure. But, you know, uh, sticking to these two matches, I mean, they're both very significant. Um, the main thing with the Jay White and Naito feud, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, feud that Naito had last year with Suzuki where the builds were good, but the matches were a little lackluster. And that's what we've gotten out of Jay White and uh, Naito. And I've heard people kind of, you know, complaining about having to even watch this match a third time. I'm going to guess and hope that given the fact that it's the dome and that both these guys typically show up given, you know, sh- you know, given the last couple years that this match is going to really deliver and be really good. That's my hope. I mean, they could disappoint me for sure, but either way, the implications behind it, pardon the the joke, the imp, <laughs> the implications behind it are, are so strong. And then, you know, with, Abushi coming in, having won the G1, having defeated Okada, there's a natural rivalry there. These guys have had nothing but fantastic 4.75 and 5-star matches on their ledger. So, I mean, that match might actually even be better than any other possible match the whole weekend. And then no matter what combination you get on the second night, you're going to get a fantastic build between these four guys. These are the big four guys right now in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people kind of complained about the double dash and the convolutedness of it. And I think, yes, they could have built it a little better. But when push comes to shove, the weakest possible combination between them is Naito and, and uh, Jay White. And once you get that out of the way, the remaining three matches, no matter what they may be, are going to be nothing short of fantastic. I mean, just look at the the G1 final that we got from Jay White and Ibushi this past year. Just look at all the matches that Okada's had with these guys. So, I mean, um, I do fully expect Naito to walk away with all the golden. In fact, my prediction is that every member of LIJ is winning their titles and we're getting a golden roll call at the end of the show. That's my prediction. But I'm so excited for all four of these matches. Yes, 100%. These are going to be absolutely, I guess, amazing. These are going to, uh, I'm fully expecting the end, like when we talk about Wrestle Kingdom and like the final, yes, four matches standardly, the final four matches kind of build and build and build and get like better and better and better on the night. Of course, this time we've got a second night where those matches that have built were the same competitors and that final is going to be that, just that incredible showcase of everything they've been building up to. Which again, that's why I think it's got to be Naito Okada. And uh, like even before like we all knew what they were going to do, I was I was still predicting Naito Okada purely because of the fact it was like the double weekend. It's 2020. It's the first show of the new era. Why won't they? Surely they're going to put on the biggest match they can of this generation with the two biggest stars, which are Naito and Okada at the moment. Like it just the whole occasion screams to me that surely this is what they're going to do with Naito and Okada, and Naito's finally crowned as the I guess the great megastar. He is finally winning in the main event to enter yeah. this new era. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of um, Naito versus Okada this year. They've held it off. They're going to do the big match on January fifth, and I think we're going to see it potentially at Dominion. I think we're going to see it in the G one. 
and it's going to be like the few one of the few of the years I'm predicting for 2020. I love that. I think that's true, and I think that that's going to be a big money drawing uh, feud. And if you're going to do it here, there's no reason to hold. Okay, so like my whole thinking behind this feud has always been this. In a sense, this is very similar to what they did with Rock Austin. You got you got Rock Austin at 15, 17, and then 19. Same thing here. You you've gotten these two guys at Wrestle Kingdoms every other year. So it makes sense that they would close out Wrestle Kingdom on the second night again because it was two years ago when that that fateful match happened. That really is one of the most historic matches of the entire decade. Um, And then once you've done it there, there's no reason to do it at a Tokyo Dome ever again. They're never going to wrestle at the Dome ever again. So at that point, it's a law of diminishing returns. You need to capitalize when the iron is the hottest, which is going to be – this year so this is gonna be one of the highlighted feuds of the entire year for sure we'll probably see them in the g1 we'll probably see them like we'll probably see them two or three times yeah, at least yeah, this i'm predicting year. yeah dominion g1 like the g1 semifinals like they're both like in the a block and the winner goes to the g1 finals and maybe even on one of the america shows and and not only that but there's also the fact that we um you know, when we talk about like these two, ah, man, I lost my thought. These two guys in particular, um, God, I had such a good thought and I don't know where I was going with it. I, I lost my thought. No. <laughs> we'll believe like, you that it was really good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we've, we've kind of covered all the ground with that main event scene and the two matches and what the main event the next night could possibly be, which is where I was going to take us. So there are there's a few few more matches I guess on the next night to quickly bash through with the time we've got remaining. Uh, the there are quite a few titles of matches we've already kind of covered ZSJ Sanada uh, and the winner of Moxley Archer versus Drew Robinson. So can kind of skip those. Uh, IWGP Junior Tag. Uh, do you want to go into this one a little bit just because it'll be a, I, a fun? I know what my thought was. My thought was this: this past year we had criticisms on our show about how Okada mm. had kind of a meandering year. In many people's books, yes, he had a fantastic year match-wise, but from a storyline perspective, he won the belt. Once he won the belt, his main feud was against Sonata, and as great as that was, it didn't match the heights of some of his previous feuds with, say, Tanahashi or Kenny Omega. And so many people have been wondering, like, what's it going to take for Okada to stay relevant going forward? And a lot of people are wondering, what's he going to do once he drops the title? I think what Jeremy just highlighted is the obvious answer. Him and Naito. That's the big money match. That's going to be the compelling feud. These guys know how to work well with one another. They're going to have money matches all year long. It'll probably be a three or four part series this year. So, I mean, that's going to be the intrigue of that match going forward. And, it, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be talking about it as one of the feuds of the decade, I think. Oh, to- yeah, totally agree. And then, uh, yeah, you want to talk about the junior tag match real quick. So, yeah, it's uh, El Fantasma and Taichi Ishibori defending against the Super Junior Tag League winners, Rapungi 3K. And so, you know, Rapungi 3K has kind of been that top junior Japanese tag team that they've kind of been building third year in a row. But they've won the Super Junior Tag League. They've been feuding with uh, Fantasma and Ishimori towards the end of the year. So I think we're going to get the culmination of that story. And, and they've Rapungi. never won in the Dome. That's true, yeah. So I think they're finally going to win the Dome. They're going to beat Bullet Club, get their trophies back, and get the championships back. Mm. Then we can have a super year of Rapungi 3K, Birds of Prey, and Ishimori Fantasmo continuing. <laughs> they're, they're so good together. Um, we can, I feel we like... Can get, 
we can get the spot where Rapongi where they have the Rapongi Vice or I'm sorry the Rapongi 3K barbershop uh, segment where the two of them after a few months of like issues you know show basically is like we're stronger than ever and then he super kicks Yo throws him through a a barbershop window and then we get the split of Rapongi 3K in 2020. <laughs> Oh, well, show is one hundred percent going to be uh, like the guy they initially has that. Make- he's already having it, isn't he? Where he's be- he is the guy getting those title shots and getting that spotlight like on the tours and things. Uh, show that that team can't last that long. <laughs> Surely yep. show is going to break out soon rather than later. I, I, I think they got one more year left in them, and then they're breaking up. There's a reason we call him Show Michaels and <laughs> Marty Yonetti. <laughs> Marty Yonetti. <laughs> Yeah, they're yeah, sure. Because show is he just screams superstar like everything about him, and the more, especially when we watched them in the best of super juniors, like show really stood out. Then it's just kind of dawning you, like, my these guys are both amazing. I really, it's a shame that we got to watch them be a tag team again. <laughs> it's a shame we're gonna watch them be a really good tag team because they're amazing in, as a solo run. Like after this current generation of the juniors, I feel like show is already ready. He's primed for that to be like the next junior champion, that next generation of uh, junior stars. And looking at the size of him, he could just use that as elevation, just get to the next point. I see Sho and uh, Yo as being like the contemporaries to Kenta and Marafuji. Like 10 years from now, uh, Sho will have been all over the world, done all sorts of stuff, and he'll be on the rebound of his career trying to refine himself. And then, um, Yo will have had this fantastic junior run, but he'll now be on the downside and be like this grimy, you know, kind of like whiskey swigging sort of. <laughs> yeah, he'll be Kanemaru in some other group, and people will think that he sucks, and we'll have to be like, you didn't see him in 2019 when he was part of Rapongi 3K. He was fantastic. I remember 15 years ago when he was when we were doing the start first start doing this show. He was really good. You should have seen him though, Super Juniors. He'd roll a bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> like um was it the, the greatest tag team of all time no limit showing up in tna did you see yujiro takahashi in the days of no limit with i don't Tetsu understand why, i don't understand why you didn't just say the road warriors that's the greatest tag team of all time <laughs> <laughs> jeremy shaking his head no <laughs> No, uh, Yujiro was fucking fantastic when he was in No Limit, and then after that, after that run, like I, I tried to tell Jeremy the other day, I was like, he was kind of like Japanese Kurt Angle for a little bit there. Yeah, like he was, he was like the um, I guess Naito and him had a lot of momentum for a reason. <laughs> like if you you can go back and watch it, it's all on New Japan World. And no Limit, was fucking awesome. Yeah, like the, even in TNA, if you've got the TNA. Networky thing, whatever that's called, for some reason. Like you can watch them there as well. <laughs> they went over. To, they were fine in TNA because they were treated as Japanese people. So guess what happened there? <laughs> yeah, but... I had Pack Plus, so maybe I'll uh, take a dive in that stuff because I'm off uh, for two I mean, weeks. Of, I, well, I, I, I think stuff. I'd I'd recommend the New Japan stuff instead. <laughs> <laughs> but you can if you want to. <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah, no, no limit. Yeah, loved them and the split. Uh, yeah, one ended up better than the other, even though at the time they both... Because they both went for the Never Belt for a small amount of time as well. And the feud was like... In my head, I remember the feud as White Hot, but I don't know if it actually was or if I just enjoyed oh, it. No, their feud was not that good. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was during the time when Osaka was booing uh, the Shuyaku. Uh, oh, of course, yeah, of course. 
Oh yeah, the lead actor in Naito. <laughs> Just yeah, with the you could hear a pin drop moment. It's like I'm so, so happy we have ne- we've never seen that since <laughs> they've not dropped the pin, not dropped the ball since then. We so, have yeah. seen. His name was Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? There weren't any boos. I watched the replay on the Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Nothing but cheers. <laughs> oh. UK shows, they're amazing when you can hear, when you can visibly see somebody cheering, yet you hear boo. <laughs> like, yes, it's, oh, it's painful. <laughs> any, final, any final matches on the second night we need to go through real quick? I think we should talk about Jericho and Tanahashi. Yes, oh, that's exactly where I was about to go. Yes. So. Jericho Tanahashi, I see this one as the... Of course, I'm a little bit biased, having done the story of Tanahashi diving into him a hell of a lot. But for me, I see this as the saviour and defender of New Japan defending his home once again. And then, uh, as I've written in my notes for the Sasam column, then Jericho toddles off a little bit of the bubbly in Kabuki Cho. That is my prediction. (laughs) He he loses and then drinks himself and then maybe get a nice little AW video of a depressed Jericho or something. I don't know much of it, Well, so it looks like you know Jericho is going to be going into the dome as the AEW uh, World Heavyweight Champion, and I do think some politics might come in play here. Um, I have a hard time seeing uh, Tony Khan setting his World Champion over there to do a job. Um, so I, I think, and you know, Jericho has not won on the dome since he's been doing this run. He lost to Omega. He lost to Naito. Um, so I, I think Jericho's going to get his first win in this run here at the Dome, and uh, Tanahashi's going to be eating a Judas effect. I agree with you, although there's this weird feeling that it's like, okay, as a classic Puro fan and a classic 80s you know, territory wrestling fan, I could see them doing other stuff. I'm sure they're getting 60 minutes, so they're not going to go to the time limit, but like a double DQ, a DQ, a count-out win... I don't want that. Though. I'm not saying I want those <laughs> things, but I'm saying that like you think about any time when a world champion would show up in another company, especially in Japan back in the day, those were things that could definitely for sure happen, especially if they're trying to uh, build to another money match between the two down the line. Maybe you do something that's uh, mired in some sort of, uh, you know, what's, what's the word? There's a controversy surrounding it. Even if, um, Jericho were to beat him by controversial means where Jer- where Tanahashi looked strong, but he stole the win. You know what I mean? Right. His foot were I, on the ropes. I prefer that. I think there needs to be some kind of finish there. It's, it's a semi-main event on night two. I, I don't mind a cheating finish, but there needs to be a finish to this match. I agree. That's not a DQ. Yeah. Did, and, you know... Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, did Okada... Definitely pin Jericho in Dominion, or was there a screw? I can't remember when the screw, if the screwy stuff was before the match ended or after it. No, he he pinned him. He got a roll, a Hurricane Runner roll up. He pinned him with that roll up, the same roll up that he pinned uh, Kenny Omega with on during uh, during their match uh, with the the two out of three, two out of three falls, the first fall. So there was a little bit of storytelling element there. He pinned him with the same move. Um, I I think this match is going to be fantastic. You know. For those of you that, you know, I alluded to the the lineage of aces in New Japan. I mean, it's a really concise lineage. I mean, you've got Inoki, it goes to Fujinami, to Hashimoto, to Muto, to Sasaki, down to Nagata. And from Nagata, it goes to, from the Dark Ages, to the ace of the universe, which is Hiroshi Tanahashi. And for those of you that don't understand or know, like, Hiroshi Tanahashi was 
and might be the most seminal and important figure in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling, barring Inoki. And um, this is a, a career matchup. Him and um, Jericho have never wrestled. Jericho is one of the most prolific Western performers in the history of Japan from his time in war and, you know, FMW over to New Japan. And, you know, he's made something like 70 or 80 tours here, here, you know, to many, to many like Western audience, uh, you know, viewers, they only think of the last couple of years, but they don't realize that he's been there for decades and him and Tanahashi until Dominion last year had never even come into contact with one another. So, you know, um, I'm a little disappointed in the build. I understand why the build hasn't been that great, and a lot of it does have to do with um, Jericho's time in AEW and his obligations there. Uh, luckily, New Japan did bring back the recount to try and uh, profile this match. If you haven't checked that out on YouTube, it's there. It's pretty awesome. But um, ultimately, you know, these are two career guys from the same generation that are two of the best performers in all of history, and they still are fantastic master storytellers. So, I mean... You know, Tanahashi gets compared to guys like John Cena, uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, we, we've seen the matches with Jericho and Shawn Michaels. We know what that, that entails. And I think to a certain extent, Tanahashi might even still be a better worker than than Michaels was even in his heyday. So, I mean, this match has all the recipe to be a fantastic match given the setting, given the circumstances. It's just that AEW title is the one thing that we're like – I don't know. And, you know, there's also the caveat of like Tanahashi's failing health and his age. And it's like, is this going to be his last major singles match in the dome going forward? And I think that's the intrigue of this match. Yeah. And that's kind of been a part of the storyline, too, of both guys saying, you know, Jericho says this is going to be Tanahashi's last match. Tanahashi thinks it's going to be Jericho's last match. So Mm, that story is there. (laughs) So it's a little bit. Uh, and and it could be for both of them uh, not necessarily the last match ever but in a major role in the dome given both of their ages i mean who's to say how much longer jericho's at the top of his game right now but like a year from now who's to say he's going to still be the same competitor that he's been the past couple years his body's starting to give out i mean we don't know once he drops that AEW belt who's to say what happens right yeah, and if I'm right, Jericho has got the same kind of contract as Moxley, so he can like, it is set up so he can come back and do extra stuff. Um, which is why I was thinking, is there a loophole to somehow get him into a title match? But he's Tanahashi was the last one after doing Kenny Omega, Naito, uh, Okada, and now Tanahashi. Like he, Tanahashi was like the last guy. Other other than that, it would be going on to like the other main people like Ibushi, which feels feels a little bit odd. To do Ibushi unless he's feuding with Omega in AEW and Ibushi in NJPW, then I'm totally for it. <laughs> yes, that will be awesome to kind of link it that way. But aside from that, like, yeah, I'm not exact. I don't know where it's going to go after this. I'm really appreciative of this kind of veteran versus veteran match, especially as it's two veterans from essentially two different countries where they were on top at the same time, just like in completely opposite sides of the world. Finally, we get to see them like as a kind of veteran superstar status. So that is awesome to see. Um, I've no idea who's going to win. That's why I assumed it'd be Tanahashi because it's in New Japan. But with Chris Jericho being a W champion, that does kind of throw a spanner in the works. I'm not 100% as certain, but because it's mostly because I've seen Tanahashi defend New Japan so many times in Wrestle Kingdom. That is kind of the story. 
where he is New Japan's defender and it really takes something to beat Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome. So when it happens, it means something huge. And well, I don't feel like Chris Jericho's that guy. Well, even though given the age of these competitors, this isn't exactly going to be Bockwinkle and uh, Billy Robinson, you know, in 1990. This is These guys can still go. So this match should be fantastic, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a rematch between them down the line, you know, given the the state of business. But um, you know, I'm I'm I just think it's surprising how these are two of the biggest stars on the show, and the this might have some of the least buzz of all the major matches that are occurring. That just shows you the strength of the card all all around. But uh, I'm very excited for it, and I think by the time it happens, Jericho will have gotten to Japan. They'll probably have done something. He's so smart, and so is Tanahashi. They'll have done some sort of angle or something to to build hype for this match by the time it actually occurs. It, I hope it's not too little too late, but it should be really good. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Jeremy, have you got any final notes to say before we start signing off? Well, I'm just looking forward to both nights at the Dome and New Year's Dash. It's going to be an awesome three-day um, affair. So, yeah, really excited. It's, it's always, you know... Ro- uh, the Road to Tokyo Dome uh, season is always an exciting one. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to these shows. I'm looking forward to the moment when um, Naito wins and then Kenny Omega comes out and challenges him for the IWGP title. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's God. what I'm really looking forward to. Oh, it just turns to the fans and does the Hogan tweet. You're like, you don't know when it works, work, brother. You got worked. <laughs> We're working together all along, AW New Japan. <laughs> uh, I... Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I, I'm really just. I just love Wrestle Kingdom as a whole. I just um, because for me, it's at a really nice time. Where I wake up at six in the morning. The birds are chirping. Kind of, they're freezing. They don't chirp that much, but the birds are chirping. It's nice. It's early. I get to watch the show with a cup of tea and the sun rising. Um, also, uh, here on Lords of Pain, we're going to be doing live shows after both events. So we'll see how that goes, as I'm joined by two Americans. Oh, they're very brave, <laughs> doing it for both nights. Uh, You're going to watch the show live and then do a yes. live recap yes. after the show? Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. It's just, like, are you sure about this? <laughs> I actually want to do it. Uh, I think it's fair to say they quite like New Japan in order to do that. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. Um, but yeah, it's not for me though, because that's like the morning and then I have a delightful chat with lunch. <laughs> it's nothing crazy at all for my end. But yes, Jeez. I'll be with two very tired Americans. Yeah. Not even the Kiss Boys are that mental. Like they'll do this thing called record nah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um I'll I'll also be live on January second, as I said before, like two days before the show with uh, Rance from Cheshire Radio to talk about I guess Wrestle Kingdom as a whole, he is a mega Naito fan, so it will be quite fun. He'll be at his peak of nerves, <laughs> so that'll be a really uh, fun show. Uh, next week, I'm joined by Sir Sam on Boxing Day. Uh, I think it might be live. We'll wait and see. I'm going to be extremely full, so we'll because uh, I'll be the day after Christmas, so I'll wake up a fat person. So we'll see how brave it is. <laughs> I'll be knackered. I'll be full as hell. Maybe hungover. I don't know. It might, might be an interesting show. Maybe the perfect one to book an Aussie on if I'm going to be hungover. <laughs> but uh, that's my, that's me next week. Uh, in terms of my stuff to plug, and then I'll throw it to the Kiss Boys. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at the damn Implicat. You can read my columns every Saturday, except for this Saturday, last Saturday, and the Saturday after. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having a little break for Christmas. If you watch Raw and Smackdown, 
surely you can see why I've earned my break <laughs> writing about the All of America shows every single week in a 4,000 word column. I feel like I'm allowed to have a month off from watching Raw and Smackdown. <laughs> it's just like, I've earned my cup of tea. And uh, you have three of those columns every Saturday. I am live here on NLP Radio every single Thursday with some show of, uh, I've already plugged the next few weeks. And on uh, and as I said, Saturday will be Saturday the fourth and Sunday the fifth will be live after both Wrestle Kingdom shows on LP Radio for New Japan for Wrestling Aftershock, which hopefully goes better than the last Aftershock, where I was absolutely knackered, blurry eyed after TLC, and I somehow muted the audio for the podcast version of the show, so I had to delete it. That was fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed finding that out in the morning. So, uh, if you're wondering why what happened with the show. That's what happened. I muted my audio for the whole hour and a half. <laughs> so well done, me. Uh, anyway, uh, with that, I pass it over to the Kiss Boys to plug everything and social suplex or whatever they want to. We have so much going on. This coming weekend, we'll be uh, recording the FOH Draft, which is a, uh, our year-end uh, show where we do a retrospective on wrestling and we shoot on every problematic thing in in the industry and we do that while inebriated on adult beverages it's one of the funnest shows that we do of the whole year um we also have our um new or wrestle kingdom preview coming up here uh next week we'll be uh doing that with chris samsa well, uh, next week we actually are going to be announcing the oh, winners bad. of the 2019 keeping a strong style year and awards on uh, Christmas Eve episode, then uh, the New Year's Eve episode, we'll have uh, Chris Samsa from Voices of Wrestling to do the Wrestle Kingdom preview. Also, our voting for our uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling year-end awards is still open. It's uh, t- uh, it's pinned on our uh, Twitter. You can find it there. Um, please vote. We've still got one week. It's uh, going to run through basically till Saturday, Saturday. at 11.59. So if you haven't voted and you uh, heard this show, please go there. Please vote. Please be involved. Please share it. Uh, we want to hear your voices. We've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback, but some of those uh, some of those awards are, are razor thin. Other things that we've got going on in the new year, lots of new things, new shows, um, new columns, um, possibly video. We're going to be in April hosting Suplex Mania, which if you're in the area, it's going to be a WrestleMania watch party and, and live podcasting event. We're partnering with uh, Generation Championship Wrestling on March 31st and April 1st uh, for We Run This Town doing um, all the social media and video and interviews for those two days of events during Mania weekend. So we got a lot going on. And uh, Jeremy, give us give them our general plugs. <laughs> yep. So you can uh, follow our show on Twitter at Ki Strong Style, and we are a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can go to socialsuplex.com, find all our podcasts, all of our columns, and follow us on Twitter at Social Suplex. And one other plug: uh, the Voices of Wrestling Year and Ebook will be coming out January second, and I had the opportunity to write a article for that ebook. So. Please go ahead and uh, support Voices of Wrestling, support me, download the ebook when it comes out, and check out all the great columns and uh, articles that are going to be in that ebook. Oh, we'll also be doing a uh, Wrestle Kingdom preview show on Chairshot Radio with uh, uh, Outsider's Edge, which is Rance and uh, Kyle, possibly Carl, <laughs> <laughs> and um, lots of other guest spots coming up. Uh, the end of the year is a crazy time for so, us. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of great stuff going on. It's Make sure you follow us to uh, keep updated with all stuff that's going on in the world of Social Suplex. 
And I myself have got so much to plug. I've also forgotten something. Which reminded me, uh, I have taken part in the Social Suplex New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, prediction uh, con- end of year award. Sorry. So you should too. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm giving thumbs up to the microphone like a weird person. I'm going to move on. Uh, also on Laws of Pain, we have got our own Laws of Pain awards uh, going on at the moment, which is mostly WWE stuff, but there is wider stuff as well because the Laws of Pain viewership is very, very WWE based or America based. Uh, but the voting on that closes on January 3rd. It's currently plugged at the top of the columns list, so whenever you go on any page on lawsofpain.net, right at the top right will be the uh, end-of-year awards there available. I myself have done two shows where I just gave every award to Kofi and Brian because they were amazing. Everything else was... Uh, <laughs> they did things <laughs> this year. The What Are You Doing Nonsensical Awards were packed this year, just to paint a picture. New Japan, though. Ah, oh, lovely. Once again, started a year with a lot of worry in, I guess, the America side. But then we ended up with, uh, as we said, Engado we trust. <laughs> That's the message. Uh, I swear I swear, one of the earlier shows I had Jeremy on, just put, put, put that message ahead. Just Engado we trust. Blindly. Almost like a religion. <laughs> we trust Engado. <laughs> Even if we can't see the light, he knows where it is. <laughs> it's, it's not... It's not over-the-top belief or anything. No, he's just proven his godlyhood (laughs) or something like that. Uh, Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you to Jeremy and debuting Josh for uh, popping on to bang on about uh, Japanese pro wrestling. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Yeah, man. Can't wait to do it again. And we will, because there's more New Japan stuff that I need to not watch and have them on to talk about. (laughs) So we'll keep doing that. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, with that, I th- say thank you for listening to this one and a half hour show on um, wrestling. Uh, obviously, if you liked this, then this is nothing in compared to length of a Keeping It Strong Style show. If you want a true epic, <laughs> listen to one of their shows and make sure you've got stuff to do in the background because it's a long show. <laughs> but, in, in all fairness, it's a once a week show, so it's the coverage for the whole week. Uh, that's the that, that's the one thing I'll say in our defense. <laughs> they're, they're perfect if you have an office job and can listen while you work. Uh, if you have a long road trip, uh, if you travel for work, it's a great listen. I listen on 2.0, so... Oh, I'm you magazine. Uh, <laughs> I'm on that 2.0 life, so uh, our, our shows are like an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I've got modern-day video games that are really grindy as hell because they're trying to push microtransactions on you. Ah, not with a Keeping It Strong style show. Ah, I'll be listening to that whilst playing the game. Suck it, video games. I've beaten you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I haven't really. I'm losing my life doing it. <laughs> Would it be fine? Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the end of this. Uh, I'll be back next week with Sir Sam. Merry Christmas. I can't forget about Christmas. It's New Year as well. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all of that stuff. I've done this entire show in a Santa hat. I didn't mention it on One Nation Radio. I brought it up this time. <laughs> uh, and with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. And for the podcast listeners, because I can't do, click on five things at once, <laughs> you get a little bit of uh, extra content as I <laughs> switch to your player. <laughs> I don't know I've done that. I was going to start saying foul stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to bid adieu, adios. Uh, thank you for listening and downloading whatever. <laughs> I'm getting tired. <laughs> anyway, adios. Peace.